Other horns don't. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's the same place they play so far. Everything with an attitude. Got a family. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Don't let the make us play against And make us ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to an earmuff edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Tom, well, shit. I feel the same way, man. You know, these are these are the kind of shows we don't like doing, and we've been very blessed that, you know, we we have a great football program that we support that's had a great run. And um, these are definitely tough shows to do. I, I have a question for you. As I was watching the, this game, especially in the frustrating parts toward the end, you know, since Saban has been there, is it just me or any time Auburn has snuck out a win going back to the Cam Newton game, you know, and the kick six and all that? Why is it always fluky shit, right? Like when we win – we beat them solidly. When they win, they win like like fluke crap. It's it's like it's like the world turns upside down on that Saturday. Why is that? Is that just me, or or did you feel like that after this ball game? No, I feel like there's that 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 Auburn sort of black magic, or or it it make more sense if it were LSU, right? You could call it just pure voodoo, right? But uh, but, but there is always something sort of wonky. You know, and I think back, you know, I think it was that 2010 game, which, by the way, is the last, you know, time Alabama's had two losses in a season. But, you know, I, I go back to I go back to then when when, you know, the fumble and the ball sort of walking down the sideline and and, you know, Mark Barron's injury and just just the oddities. And, and this game had very, you know, had very similar things. And and, you know, I don't want to take away and detract from what Auburn accomplished, but, you know. The, you know, the interception return for a touchdown was a pretty darn fluky thing. And, you know, the, the, maybe the other pick six was less fluky, but there was enough of those kinds of things. They had a whole, they had a drive in which the last three passes, you know, one was more improbable, you know, than the last. And, um, and, and, and then even just the way they, the, not just the game, but the half ended, there were, there were, you know, fluky, I think is the right word. Um, I, it's inexplicable, inexplicable. It's diabolical. Um, it's so very Auburn. It is, man, but it's like, it just makes it so, like if we had just been, you know, if, if we had just lost the game, right? I guess we, if, if, if Alabama had lost the game and the best team won, you know, it, it would just feel different. And I, I guess right. that's the best way to say it is, in the years where they have won, they haven't been the better team, in my opinion. And right. and, and I know some people going to say that sour grapes and you're a homer and whatever. But if you could go back and just watch these couple fluky games and you could splice them together and just watch them back to back to back, or if you could just splice the, the few crazy-ass plays, right? If you could take 10 or 15 plays from these few games and splice them together, people would be like, Really? I mean, just just the odds of it, man. It's just I, I think that's what makes it more tough to swallow for me. No, and and, and it's and it's not just when Auburn plays Alabama. You know, 
uh, a couple of years ago, it was the I guess the kick six year uh, in you know you know nearly back to back games or two out of three games uh, that happened against Alabama, and then they got that that pass uh, against Georgia that sort of ricocheted off the, off the defender, uh, and they returned for a touchdown to to win that game. And so anytime something and and it's almost a shorthand, right? Because I've I've been in stands and I've said it and I've heard other people say it or you know just around me that when something like the flukiest thing that can happen in a game, someone will say that's just so Auburn. And it doesn't matter if the opponent really is Auburn or if it's something else, but if a ball takes a walking sort of a wonky bounce and just ends up in, in the most improbable of events, then it's it's almost like the Clemsoning, right? That it's 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 you know, it's so very Auburn of of that play. And it's almost like that's become an expression. Oh, absolutely, man. Well, I will tell you, uh, you know, is because obviously, you know, we don't want to do this show, but we, you know, this is what we do. I will tell you that if it wasn't for those couple pick sixes, because, you know, you and I talked about this game uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, whenever I wasn't able to, to join you for this last podcast. And, you know, if it wasn't for those two pick sixes, um, this outcome would have kind of turned out the way we thought, right? I mean, they they would have they would have won by, you know, Alabama would have put would have won by more than ten points, and and that probably would have been enough. Yeah, you could say those, and 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 I read this somewhere, and so I, I'm more parroting back than than expressing an opinion, although I don't disagree with it. You know, you take those two pick sixes, and it's you know, it's very probably uh, a twenty-one point swing. And uh, you know, one of the pick sixes was so far away, you couldn't assume that that's a scoring drive. But you know, hitting hitting uh, you know Najee in the back, and and that's that's sort of a, a rare kind of kind of event. Yeah, I think if you take away and and look, it does sound sour grapey, and so I want to be careful with with that, but. But if you do take those away, then you know the score differential is is very different. We can talk about you know what happened at, at half and and all of that. But let, let me let me put a pin in in that thought. And you know if we can if we can swallow sort of the the sour taste of of this game, let me throw another thought at you. This game was almost a microcosm of the season. Uh, if we if we sat down at the beginning of the season and and maybe we did, I'd have to go back and listen. And we listed the types of of characteristics that this Alabama offense or this Alabama team would have. I mean, tell me which of these you know you you disagree with how we would have classified the team. Right? It's an explosive offense. It's going to have a suspect defense. There's going to be discipline issues. Uh, there's going to be penalties, and there's trouble with the kicking game or questions with the kicking game. And and we saw all of those in this in this game, and and we saw all of those sort of littered throughout the season. And I know on the show we were really optimistic about the defense coming together, uh, and there was progression on the defense. It just never it never peaked. It never got to that level. And you know LSU certainly exploited it, and, and Auburn in their own way they did uh, they did as well. And so in in some sense. I mean, I hate to say we saw this coming, but in some sense, it you know, it was manifest. Everything that we would have been concerned about at the beginning of the season in in fall camp. Yes, but 
I think the, you know, in this run that Alabama has, and obviously there are a lot of people trying to write Alabama off at this point, right, which is just humorous to me. You know, look at, you know, I, I read I read one article that said, you know, all these things had to happen for Alabama to get knocked out of the playoff for the first time since its creation. And so just like I told you against LSU when I said, look at all the things that happened in the LSU game, and yet look at what the margin of victory was for LSU. And if you would have flipped those things and had all those things happen to LSU, would they have only lost to us by a few points? Well, take this game, man. We have a quarterback who has who has played a couple games recently because of Tua's injury. But and granted he's not a true freshman, so granted he's been in the system. But how many teams in the country could go against an SEC defense like Auburn's with a backup quarterback and put these kind of points on the board? Right. Right? I mean and 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 on defense I will tell you that I think the injuries just caught up with this team. Um, you know, you take the two pick sixes away, and the, and the reason I'm saying take them away is because I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, that's not the defense's fault, right? Sure. And so sure. if you take those two pick sixes away, the the defense, you know, granted, did they give up more points than than we've been accustomed to? Yes. Would they have benefited from the from the likes of Ronnie Harrison and and some of these other guys still being there? Of course. You know, do do they lose more players to the NFL than other teams? Sure. Um, But, and and when I say take those two pick sixes away, like you said, we're not trying to be sour grapes. But but I guess what I'm saying is, is with everything they were up against, playing on the road against, you know, their arch rival, um, with the, you know, bullseye on their back, with a backup quarterback, you know, if you would have told me going into this game that Alabama would have put 45 points on the board, I'd have told you you're crazy. Like I, I wouldn't have guessed. I wouldn't have guessed. I, I was pleasantly surprised that we put those kind of points on the board. Were you? Were you? How, how surprised were you by the 45 points? Well, you know, 45 is a, is a big number, and so I don't I don't know that I would have forecasted either either of those numbers. I wouldn't have forecasted. It, win, lose, or draw, I would not have forecasted Alabama scores 45, and I wouldn't have forecasted, you know, that Auburn, you know, scores right. 48. And so, you know, 38 to 35, 28 to, to you know, get you know give Auburn the game. I'm not speaking uh, outcome. I'm just speaking, you know, points scored, you know, 28 to 25. Um, you know, I probably would have gone in that ballpark, you know, thir- you know 30 to, to 27 or, or something. Uh, right. And then – and then sort of pick them on who was who who would win. Uh, I'm not I'm not making a statement on Alabama winning. I'm just saying I didn't expect that that we would score that much, and I didn't expect you know certainly that the defense would allow that many points. I got you. Um, we'll start us off with offense here. You know, or I guess let me start you off with offense. You know, with the exception of those two pick sixes, um, which obviously were a big deal, right? And and obviously, you know, Mac would love to get those back. I, I was pretty happy with how he played. That we, minus those minus those two decisions. What what's your thoughts? Oh, I think absolutely. And 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 I think you know, I think officially, I I, I want to christen him 
uh, Councilman Jones, uh, you know, because he demonstrated, you know, such leadership. Uh, he, you know, he took responsibility for the errors uh, that there were, and he gave uh, freely the credit for uh, for the good things that that happened. Uh, when there were penalties, you know, he was telling folks, "Hey, this is going to be all right. We're going to overcome this." His hands and stuff. Yeah, right. And then, and and he was often. There were a couple times where he's the one that scrambled for the yards to to make up for uh, for the penalty. So I think he demonstrated a great amount of leadership, and that's something that that I mean, that's all. He, he didn't just do that on Saturday. That's part of his persona, but we haven't had a chance to see it because he's doing that in practice. He's doing that you know, in, in the facility. And so, so to see that, and, and we didn't need to see that in his, in his prior starts, Arkansas and, um, and, and the Catamounts, right. We didn't need to see that. That didn't need to be demonstrated uh, against those opponents, but against Auburn, you know, he, I th- he really stepped into the role and, you know, he went 26 of 39, you know, four touchdowns, and he threw for 335. And so, you know, you you said, you know, last last week that uh, he'd throw for 300 against Western Carolina and he threw for 275. And obviously he was out, you know, at halftime or just after half. But, you know, Tom, he, he averaged across those two games over, uh, you know, over 300 yards a game. That's that's pretty that's pretty impressive. Um, you know, even though one of them is the catamounts for him to come in. Uh, to the to that circumstance, and then certainly this game, I thought he acquitted himself very well. Um, I, you know, we can talk about who's the starting quarterback next season. Uh, I think at another time, but I, I think he certainly acquitted himself well. And uh, there's no disclaimer. Well, look at who he played. No, he played a legit uh, SEC defense, and uh, and he hung a three thirty five on him. No, absolutely. Well, talk to me about. I know it's special teams, but you know it, it's top of the mind because you know the the missed field goal was, you know, was huge there. Um, so I, I just want to blend this over to to offense for a second. Um, and and it's easy to second guess, very easy to to second guess. Um, obviously, Najee Harris had a great game. Uh, obviously, he was the workhorse. Uh, I was surprised that Brian Robinson only got two carries. Um, And, you know, one of his carries specifically just, you know, didn't look that good. Um, Last year against Georgia in the semis, you know, Saban went through this great deal of effort to, you know, he took the ball out of the offense's hands, right? And you remember when, when you know, literally – well, I'll say it this way. You never want a game to come down to, a, to the field goal kicker, right? I mean, yes, there's been some really great kickers out there, but you never want a game to come down to the field goal kicker. And so with, with all the trials and tribulations that Saban has endured this year, I was a little surprised with the play calling on that last series before the missed field goal. Uh, and what I mean by that is, is I know he likes to save timeouts and, and I know he almost got the ball back, but Najee had just run ragged through them. Right. 
27 carries for 146 yards. And and I liken it back to Derrick Henry when he put this team on his shoulder that game against LSU. And when Mark Ingram put his, you know, team on the shoulders in that Wildcat in that South Carolina game. Yep. When it was first and 10 and Najee, you know, and Najee basically loses one yard at first and goal at the nine-yard line. You proceed on second and third to to take your quarterback who's done more than you would have expected a backup to do. And so it's easy to second guess, man, but with the three tight end look they were doing and stuff, why don't you come back second down at the nine and just run the rock with Najee and third down run the rock with Najee? And and were you surprised that, that they just gave up on the run there after that first and goal? Well, I think that, you know, it's easy to sort of hindsight 2020 and it's, and it's also easy at the moment to overthink it. And so I think you get in a compressed field and you know that Auburn has a stout defensive line that you want to play away from your opponent's strength. But in doing that, we really played away from our strength, especially in the moment because Najee was, was, was playing so well and and I found myself watching the game. Hey, let's bring in let's bring in the beef package, right? I mean, we have two offensive linemen that are that are wearing tight end numbers. Let's bring those guys in. Let's bring Ali Keho in there, and and let's just tell our guys and let's tell their guys. This is you know this is this old. Is what we're doing? Yeah, uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna you know attempt to kind of run it down your throat here. And and I wish we had taken a couple of downs to do that. And you can do it once. But you got to do that. No, we're going to line up and we're going to do that again. And then we're going to do it again. And for good measure, we're going to do it again. And I think that if we had, I, and, and again, I don't know this to be true, but sure. just part of me that just has a, a degree of confidence that if we had lined up and and just run behind some of the big linemen and the tight ends, which are, are essentially, you know, linemen and, 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 you know, you could th- sprinkle in some some formation and maybe a misdirection or something. But I think that we could have uh, I, I think we could have done that in that circumstance. I know that, you know, we do have some confidence in the kicker and he, he's performed well, but you can take all of that. He's making his PATs and, and, and when we let him kick, he's making those kicks. But those are all very controlled circumstances. They're not the weight of this game on the road. That's a whole different thing. And, you know, that game in a blowout and Bryant Denny, he's going to, he's going to hit the kick. And if he doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't matter. But in this game, when that kick matters against this opponent, just there's a certain gravity that comes with that, that, and look, I'm, I don't, you know, want to be the guy that picks on, you know, Bullivus and, and, and I, and I hate, there's a part of me that hates the fact that he has to issue an apology because of sort of the, you know, the noise that he's hearing at the same time, I do wish we had just lined up and tried to, you know, force feed them the ball. Um, I, I, there's a part of me that really thinks that, that, that would have, that would have uh, gone over much better. And then Najee, you mentioned, you know, Derek Henry, I completely agree with that. The way he started the game, I said, you know, um, we may not see a whole lot of Robinson and we may see 30 carries from Najee and, and that's not far off. Although we saw a lot less Robinson, uh, than I was thinking, 
only two carries. He only saw a limited play against Western Carolina. And so there's there's a part of me that wonders, is there an injury that we don't know about or is there something else going on? I think that's going to be a storyline to watch out for. Oh, sure. But, but to your point, right, kudos to him for making the 43-yarder earlier in the game, right? But the game wasn't on the line then. The, the pressure profile is completely right. different. Right. And so, and so I just wish that we would have sat there and said, we've got four downs to get 10 yards. And, and, and we're putting, we're putting this on your shoulders, offensive line, right? Plus your three tight ends. We're, I mean, it's not like we had not shown in the game that we could do it. Right. So that, that was my frustration. Um, and so I'm going to tell you as good of a game as, as I think Sarkeesian called under the circumstances of having a couple weeks to do this. Um, you know, maybe he did just outthink himself there. And 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 I will tell you very quick. You know, um, you know, uh, I, I just went back and pulled because uh, I was curious. I, I just went back and pulled the, you know, the the last you know decade worth of Auburn Alabama games. And I, I guess what I was trying to say earlier is when you look at the outcome of these games, you know, here they are just barely beating us. And and more times than not, we're just laying the wood on them, you know, and beating them by four or five touchdowns. So that, I guess that's what I was referring to. Right. So what what else would you like to – what else jumped out at you on offense? You know, I just think and, – and we can certainly talk about them in special teams, uh, but I think Jalen Waddell was just otherworldly. Uh, you know, he had three receiving touchdowns uh, out of four catches, 98 yards. Uh, he just looked electric. And, you know, whatever – there was a couple times, whatever Auburn did, he had a response. And certainly the the kickoff return for a touchdown and then his touchdown, uh, you know, right before, right before half um, was, you know, was just, just electric. And it, it seemed that um, – it seemed that, you know, obviously he was the fastest guy on the field and it didn't appear that it was close. Uh, a couple of the times – a couple of the times him getting to the corner was the most amazing play because not only did he had to outrace the guy, you know, the guy was in front of him, the guy had leverage on him and he outraced the leverage to still get the corner. That's just impressive. Well, you could clearly see in this game that Auburn did not have the talent in the back end that LSU has. Right. And, and and you could just tell the difference in in speed there. You know, it is. You you talk about Waddle and isn't it interesting that during this season, you know, all these guys has had just you know a monster game at different points, and it goes back to you know I hope Bama fans have enjoyed these these weapons, which is Rugs and Waddle and Smith and Judy, because you know as you look back, they've they've all this season had. You know, it goes back to you can't take them all away, right? You can't take all the weapons away. And so look at the games where I, I guess it is interesting. And, and probably since we've been doing this show, I, I can't remember a time when we've had so many guys have multi-touchdown games. You know, you go back to the days of an Amari Cooper or, or Julio Jones, and, you know, he would be the guy with 12 catches, and, and he would be the guy that, you know, you go to every single time. Uh, so I'm really happy for Waddle that he got in on the multi-touchdown performance. 
No, he did. He, you know, he did. And even looking at the other guys, you know, Ruggs had, you know, Rugg, Ruggs had six catches for 99. Smitty had five for 50 and, and Jerry had five, but they were the shorter variety. He had, he had 26, which interesting is all three of those guys you technically had more catches than Waddle. Uh, and so right. it was a pretty, Waddle got the big sort of explosive plays, but it was a pretty, a pretty good distribution of the ball across those four receivers. No, absolutely. Well, I will tell you, you were talking about Najee early on in this game. What I noticed early on in this game, too, is, you know, we talked about the the benefit of of having, you know, of of the offensive line and how, you know, how they had started to gel kind of at the at the midpoint, you know, season uh, mark, so to speak. And, you know, it it really materialized you know, once they kind of got a formation, you know, once Deontay Brown came back, it really made a difference for this team. And and to your point, even though the storyline was the two seniors on Auburn's defensive line, and, and granted, take nothing away from them, right? They're going to be first-round draft picks, and, and, sure. and they're going to play on Sundays. But, you know, Evan Neal was up to the test. We were pulling Landon Dickerson. We were pulling Deontay Brown. And um, I was a little surprised at how easily we were able to run the football, which, which you know, I, I guess that's what makes this so damn sickening is, you know, if you and I would have gone to Vegas before this game and they'd have said, okay, here's what we want you to bet. We want you to bet Mac Jones throws for 335 yards and Najee Harris runs for 146 against this Auburn team. Right. We'd have thought they're crazy. I would have bet the I would have bet the win, and I wouldn't have bet those two things. I mean, it just it, it's just it's so frustrating, man. Because to you know to to lose a game like this, considering what we were able to do, is just is just so damn frustrating. What else jumped out at you on on offense? What did you What did you think, real quick, of the of the of the three tight end look? Uh, I thought that was a nice wrinkle that that we came out with on the opening series. No, I think uh, I, th- I think that you know that's the statement that we were going to run the ball and that we were going to uh, you know try to match their their defensive front and like I said that's a it's a legit SEC defensive front uh, I think that defensive front not the secondary not the back eight but I think the the front uh, is stronger than is stronger than LSU's and uh, and the fact that we went out with some intentionality to to run the ball I thought was impressive. I, I want to talk about, you know, or at least just, you know, mention and, and ask a question about the offensive line. I, I think they played well. Uh, you're not going to close out or you're not going to, you know, Auburn's defensive front is going to have some success. They're, you know, any front is going to, and especially one quality, uh, quality is Auburn's. And so, you know, the fact that they had plays uh, and, and took advantage of our offensive line, that's going to happen. That's going to be in the ebb and flow of of the contest. But I think overall, I think the Alabama offensive line played played really well. I was pleased with them. What do you make though? There were four false starts, and there was an allusion to, and uh, a number of articles that I read, an allusion to communication across the front, and even at one point, uh, uh, Jed, at, after he got his second, he you know, demonstratively went over and, you know, was communicating with, with Landon Dickerson about, you know, something. 
Uh, I wonder, you know, what your thought is on that. Do you think that has something to do with either the signals uh, or just the communication between the center and the quarterback snapping uh, in in a loud sort of hostile environment uh, that Mac and Landon haven't had that experience uh, and maybe had a little bit of issue there. What's your thought there? Or was it just the lineman jumping? No, I think it was the communication between Landon and Mac. And unfortunately, I don't think we see those four false starts if we would have, if, the, if it would have been our year to play this in Bryant Denny. Right. But, but by the same token, we had what, 12 or 13 penalties on the day. And so when you lose a game by three points, a high scoring affair with your backup quarterback, because your star quarterback was gone for the season, you, you can't have 12 or 13 penalties. I mean, what's the nature of the game? And, and, and again, this is where it looks like, you know, we're just inventorying things. But the nature of the game where where points are, you know, explosively provided in a three point margin, it's easy to find a handful of things that could have that could have, you know, swayed the score the other way, especially when it seemed that most of, uh, you know, most of call it the, the fortuitous bounce, if you will. Uh, went in the direction of, uh, you know, the other guys. Oh, absolutely. Um, tell me, what, what else What else would you like to touch on on offense? I, you know, I just, I, you know, I just, I just want to underscore that, you know, the offense, I think, played certainly well enough to win, even with, uh, you know, some of the issues, uh, you know, 28 first downs, 515 yards, 35 minutes, almost 36 minutes time of possession. You know, those those are certainly impressive numbers. And, um, you know, I just hats off to, to Mac Jones and the leadership that he demonstrated. I don't want to take anything away from that uh, as frustrating as the experience was. All right. Who, who are you giving your mini game ball to? I'm going uh, Slade Bolden with uh, mini game ball uh, early, early in the game. There was a 14-play 14, uh, 14 drive for a touchdown and uh, it's sort of a critical juncture in that drive. Uh, there was a fourth and one, and we brought Slade in to run the wild, uh, sort of the wildcat. Um, I, I'm not a savant, but I feel like I knew exactly what he was going to do. And so you have to think that the defensive front did as well. And uh, he, you know, he, he was able to get a three-yard uh, gain there. And so uh, I thought that was a big play. And it's an understated play in the context of, of the full sort of event. But that was certainly a, a fourth down play. I think it led to Alabama going up, you know, 10, 10 to nothing. And so it was an early touchdown that's kind of forgotten in the context. Uh, but that's a big play. And uh, hats off to uh, Slade Bolden there. Okay. I'm going to give my mini game ball uh, to all three tight ends who were featured in the three tight end formation. Uh, I like the big uglies. Uh, I, I like the spin of the look of of coming out, you know, in that formation and and you know just I like the idea of the game plan of, of of trying to take some pressure off Mac, although they did let him complete some passes early. Uh, but just you know, kudos to to all three uh, of those guys who started in that tight end formation because obviously you know not having. Uh, you know, not not having Miller Forrestal able to go in this game and, and, and what we've said he's meant to this team, they had to come up with a different wrinkle. And uh, so, so hats off to those guys. 
Right. Give me, give me, give me, give me your, give me your, let me ask you a question on defense here if I can. Um, you know, it's easy to look at the score and it's easy to say, you know, cause you said offensively that the offense did enough to win. Well, this is probably going to be, you know, a lot, a lot of people are not going to agree with me. Um, but I would say for the most part, the defense did enough to win. What's your thoughts on that? I think um, I, I don't think that's far off. You know, I don't think that's far off. Uh, I think the biggest issue that we had on that Alabama had on defense. I mean, look, we held them to 354 total yards. Uh, you know, 200 almost 200 yards less than than uh, the uh, than the Alabama offense uh, ran off. Uh, their quarterback was under 50 percent passing. I think that's certainly something. Uh, they were five of thirteen on third downs, and so we were getting them off the field uh, when they, when they got the third down. But we had the biggest. The Alabama defense had the biggest struggle on their run fits, and you know, Tommy, I, the, when every time I think about you know the significance of 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 plugging every gap or accounting for every gap, you know, the example that that we've gone back to a couple times on the podcast is that Vatek game. You know, what is now several years ago. Just the Alabama defense was dominating in that game, and they allow one block, one linebacker that that misses the fill, and they run an eighty-yard touchdown, and they have this explosive play amidst being just shut down all day, and it's a run, it's a gashing run right up the middle, and it you know as ugly as it can be, and it's purely the function of a gap not being fit. And we seem to struggle or the Alabama defense seemed to struggle with that almost all day against Auburn. And so there wasn't an 80 yard run, but damn, if there wasn't a lot of 10 and 12 and eight and 16 yard runs and any number of those could have, should have been just shut down and, and, you know, if and nuts and, and all of that, but this is a game where we miss Dylan Moses as, as much as we've missed him all season combined. Oh, sure. And I guess what I meant by they did enough to win the game is, you know, we talked earlier in the show about I think these injuries caught up with them. I think not having DJ Dell in this game was a big deal. Right. Right? You you yep. had guys like Christian Barmore and Phil Darian Mathis and, you know, Musica who played a lot of snaps. And 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 I, and I want to take nothing away from them, okay? Um, but you know, D, DJ Dale obviously was a starter for a reason, um, and Aboyji wasn't there. LeBron Ray wasn't there. Laquan Davis was, you know, banged up. Um, but you take Christian Barmore, who's a redshirt freshman, and Mathis, a redshirt sophomore, and 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 these guys, and and then you take Byron Young you know, true freshman. And I guess what I'm trying to say is, is I, I think on the defensive side of the ball, when you talk about the run fits and stuff, I, I think the, the injuries to the front seven, you know, really caught up to Alabama on that last drive. So I, I guess what I mean is, is when, is when I say the defense did enough to win the game, I guess what I mean by that is, is, you know, they 
they held this Auburn team to two field goals in the second half. I mean, you know, minus and, and I'm I'm gonna get to well, I'm sorry, they held them to two field goals and a touchdown to, to correctly state this. But I think it was that last touchdown drive that was indicative of 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 what you're talking about and, and talking about what we knew this team was gonna face at the beginning of the year. And you know, you talk about the nemesis of the running quarterback, right? Well, in that last drive where Auburn, you know, went ahead and scored their only touchdown of the second half, Bo Nix had a run for 15 yards. He had a run for 12 yards. And then they had that roughing the passer penalty, right? Which, you know, which tacked on another 15 yards. And so on their last drive that got that one touchdown, that running quarterback and that rough in the passer penalty was huge. It goes back to the you know number of penalties we talked about again. But I think on that last drive, you saw the depth issues, the injury issues, the lack of Dylan Moses's issues. I, I think it all just came to a head on that last on that last drive where they were able to you know go eleven plays for seventy seven yards and 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 go ahead in the game. No, oh, I think DJ Dale's a good a good reference. You know the fact that he was out. Um, you know, he, he was calling more accessible than Dylan Moses. Moses has been out since July. Uh, you know, but DJ Dale missed the last two games, uh, with, with an injury in, in Mississippi state game. And, um, yeah, I, I, I agree. That's, that's a, that's a cat that we definitely could have benefited. Uh, you know, the D front D line definitely could have benefited by him on Saturday. But even Jennings and Terrell Lewis. There's nobody consistently playing in, in, in the rotation behind them, right? Right, And so you pretty much played this game with you, – you didn't rotate a whole lot of guys because you didn't have a whole lot of guys to rotate. And right. so, you know, I, I guess what I'm saying is is that all the stats that you, that you rattled off earlier I think is indicative of, of what I'm saying is is that I think for the most part, this Auburn offense wasn't, you know, they weren't able to do a whole lot. Um, talk to me about talk talk to me about the the play at the end of the half because this is gonna this goes back to the whole fluky crap, right? Because I was talking to somebody about this at, at work today. You know, this this needs to be a change to to this replay rule. The fact that they let them run a play with one second left. What is your, you know, this this goes back to like the ball bouncing down the field 25 yards in the 2010 game. What is your thoughts on how that allowed Auburn to to get points on the board before half? Yeah, no, I think that's that that's definitely one of the things that uh, I you know I wanted to to spend a minute with. I, I think <clears throat> the outcome of the game, right? That three points was the outcome. Well, of the it, game. you know, it's ironic, right? That the that is the three point differential. Uh, that that's for certain. I think that. I, I think he was down and and in the process of going down. And so there's a couple of ways to sort of break this down. Uh, was he down with there still being a second left on the clock? I'm not sure that there was. Uh, but okay, let's let's get past let's get past that. It is a running clock at at that point, which is that is critically different. It's a live clock versus a dead clock. That is all the difference resides in that in that distinction. When it is a live clock, the clock stops to reset the downs 
but as soon as the down is as soon as it's reset then the then the clock starts again and so it's not like a timeout uh where the ball doesn't start until the snap or the clock doesn't start until the snap it is when it's a live clock as soon as the ball is set then the clock starts and one of the sideline one of the officials on the sideline told you know coach Saban that even if they put a second on they won't have enough time to run a play because it'll be a live as soon as they set the ball, the clock will start. They'll run out of they'll run out of clock, and 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 that is the more critical component. Is that the the replay allowed it to effectively become a dead ball? Right. That is that is I. There'll be a rule change over that, and we've seen we've seen what what do they call it in different circumstances when there's a penalty, there's a, a 10 second runoff. Right. In critical sort of times of the game. And right. so what like, we're oh, going to yeah, say, I don't know, the, I don't know you, how right. much of this you had sort of lined up to say, but th- there will be a rule change that there will be some sort of runoff. Hey, let's use, I'm not mad at replay. Let's use replay and get it right, but let's not get it right, but let's not get it wrong while we're getting it right. Right. And so, yep, there's a second left. All right. Now it's gone because we got it right. There's a second left, but it's still a running. It's still a live clock. It's, you know, and there's a there are distinctions. There are differences. There's a running clock. There's a live clock, and there's a dead clock. And this was a live clock. And so as soon as I set the ball, which is you know, a lot of times you're not even back up to the line of scrimmage. As soon as I set the ball, not at the snap, but as soon as they set it. They shouldn't have had time to run that play. No, I agree. I just wanted to I want to get your thoughts on that. Now, let me ask you this. On that play, uh, or, or on that series, what do you – and obviously it's easy to say this now, but what aided that was a was a 30-yard kickoff by Bullivus, you know, and they were able to fair catch it at the 35-yard line. Yeah. What's your thoughts on that? There's 33 seconds left in the half. He's been putting the ball in the end zone some. On you know he's he, he's he's done a couple good jobs with you know as I look back at the stats here you know there was you know a couple different kickoffs here. I, I guess the yeah all three of the previous kickoffs had been you know 50 yards plus kick uh, touchbacks. Why do you give him the ball in the 35 with 20 you know with 30 seconds left in the half? Uh, you know, you're kicking, you're you're taking away the opportunity for them to return it, and I think that I think that in some respects, I think the toughest position to coach or the toughest coordinator, special teams coordinator, because there's so many different things, the a variety of things. But that's out thinking that yourself, right? Teams. That's out. It's a mix yourself. of offense and defense mentalities. And, you know, we've got a punt returner or a kick returner that we think we're going to get, you know, some action out of, which we did. And, and, and mentally, psychologically, some of that may carry over. Well, we can't let them get a big return. And so, well, let's kick it to an up man and, and then put it on the defense. They're not, they're not going to drive, you know. And look, their field goal kicker, um, the ironic stat going into the game is that both of us had better stats. Than their field, than their kicker, yeah. and and then their kicker goes out and kicks you know four forty yard kicks, and you know he had been batting under five hundred in the last you know the last month of the season, and so I think you take all that together, their kicker can't 
their kicker's not going to make it, and let's not let them have a return. So there's a little bit you're trying to take the oxygen out of the room. I mean, I can see where I would have landed on that too. Well, I just think that, you know, you, you coach your special teams to play at a high level. We haven't, you know, we, we've done pretty well in special teams this season. I think you just stay with what got you there and you just kick the ball in the end zone. I mean, he yeah. he had sat there and had a touchback two or three of the previous plays. I, I just I, – I, di- I didn't like giving them the ball at the 35-yard line, you know, 30 seconds I left in the half. He, yeah, deal. I think if you've got a kicker that can consistently kick it out of – you know, kick it through the end zone, then you then you go do that. Which I was surprised, He's, but he had done that several times at you know up until that point in the game. So that's why I wanted to you know that's why I wanted to bring right. it up. Um, I don't think he do, I don't think he did it so consistently that that was his brand. No, uh, but in this game he had done okay. Yeah, no, that's fair. Now, what did you think about the defense? We seem to be running more of a base nickel than a base dime due to what. Auburn was doing, yeah. you know, we, we had both Shane, you know, we, we had both of the freshman uh, linebackers, you know, in the game from the, from the get go. Um, what else, what else jumped out at you on, on defense? Cause, cause obviously, um, you know, Shane Lee had a big day. McKinney had a big day. Uh, Raquan Davis probably had his best day of the season. Yep. Um, what, what else jumps out at you on defense? I think all of that. I think all of that is right. Um, I, I still really like, and and I know they're, you know, they're probably the focal point of when we talk about run fits. And I think you know DJ being out was is part of that too. I still really like the the young linebackers. Um, I think I, I wish, and this will sound uglier than I mean it to. I wish Christian Harris understood the game like Shane Lee understands the game. He would be dangerous then. <laughs> well, uh, well, well, and to your, to your point, right? Um, the game hasn't slowed down for him all the way yet. Right. But to your point, and, 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 and you can't discount this, right? And so, once again, it's not, it's not being sour grapes. It's, it, it's really not. It, it's, it's just looking at this, you know, from, from the right point of view, as I look at the, you know, as I look at the, uh, as I look at the, you know, the defense for, for Auburn, you know, Marlon Davison senior, Derek Brown senior, nose tackle junior, outside linebacker junior, redshirt junior, 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 senior, redshirt senior, redshirt senior. I mean, these years that they've rattled off these fluky games has also been this, these games when they have like a ton of, you know, veteran leadership. And so, and so I say that because when you look at Alabama and you look at the injuries they had on defense and, and oh, by the way, Bama's defense gave up, you know, 34 points. Uh, mm-hmm. Auburn's defense gave up 45 points and 38, excuse me. Yeah. 38, excuse me. But, but here we go. You know, I think this game caught up on us having, you know, the the lack of the lack of experience from some of these guys like a Christian Harrison and, yep. and um, going against, you know, going against 
you know, a guy who, you know, in these two or three times they've won in the past decade, you know, Gus Malzahn was most effective when he was calling the plays. And, um, you know, I guess that's the other thing too, man. They had to, they had to throw out the kitchen sink to win. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they were pulling every freaking play out of the playbook that they had worked on back in August. No, no doubt. No doubt. What do you make of, um, and I'm not sure if this is defense or special teams. I'm going to go ahead and put it out. Uh, you asked me, you asked me about the, um, the play to end the half. What did you make of the penalty to end the game? Man, after we had had all these damn penalties, um, oh, you mean whenever they took the punter and split him wide? Yep. You know that's that. It was fourth and four. Fourth and four. They were going to punt. They got a you know twelve men on the field, five yard penalty, and then they were able to run out the clock from there. So essentially, that was the game. That penalty was the end of the game. You know, my take on this was. Gus miles on with his little tricky dick stuff that he does, you know, he, uh, Gus tricky dicked Alabama special teams coordinator, because for all the guys we have on the sideline, keeping up with who, and you know, this, that, and the other, this was something Alabama had not planned for because from my take on it, when Alabama, you know, went back with their base defense, the only player that didn't know he was supposed to change was, you know, Waddle sitting back there to return the punt. Right. And so when, when you say we had 12 men on the field, the only person that didn't get the memo he was supposed to get off the field was Waddle. And so I, I, I think Gus out-schemed him there. I, I think yeah. that, you know, somebody's job has got to be in that situation to, to whistle at Waddle's ass and tell him to get off the field. And how many and and you don't practice that, right? When does the punt returner have to come off the field? Yeah, it's it's yeah. I think that it's one of those things where you have to read your cues and 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 what can be dangerous is when you read your cue correctly, but it's the wrong answer. And so you know the cue is 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 the quarterback out there or is the punter out there? And 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 so you have different players making different decisions based on who's out there. And the trick is when the both are out there, then Waddle is, you know, essentially keying on, yes, the punter number X is out there. So I'm out here to return. And then, you know, whoever the rotation player is, he's reading the quarterback and the quarterback's out there. And so I don't know. I mean, there's, yes, there's trickery in that, but I don't know that that bothers me so much. Uh, I think it's clever. It's a little tricky dick. Um, but a, a lot of things you do with formations and player rotation, and we're going to line up in, in a bunch formation and move everyone out and, and try to catch, you know, we're going to move a tight end out of the box to soften the box or to create a matchup. And so a lot of the, a, a lot of personnel movement you do is standard operating procedure. This is a variance of that uh, because it's across units. It's a punt unit versus an offense unit, and everything else that I've been talking about is really just within the context of the offense. And so it crosses units, which makes it unusual, and 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 it worked to perfection. I think what bugs me more than 
more than the fact that they did it is it is is Malzahn didn't have the nerve to own up to it. On one hand, he said, "Oh no, we didn't do that to catch them in a penalty. We did that because we wanted Waddle off the field. He's such a dangerous player, and well, we were just going to, you know, quick kick it like we did, you know, earlier in the game." And so, on one hand, he says that, but then on the other hand, he says, "Oh, we've had this up our sleeve for the last, you know, three or four weeks, waiting for the right opportunity to to, to roll it out and, and use it." And so, he's really talking out of both sides of his mouth and. And, you know, our, our uh, Swedish correspondent, uh, we were texting today and, and he made the comment that, you know, one, I think he's right. Uh, Gus doesn't want to just own it uh, because he wants to be viewed as an offensive genius. And so he wants it to be part of his aura as an offensive genius. Not that he's just, you know, scheming, um, you know, special team personnel package. Uh, to to draw a penalty, so I thought that was that was kind of interesting take. But I think it bugs me more that Gus just wouldn't own it when he was going to say stuff to indicate indi- indicate that he did it on purpose uh, while saying he didn't do it on purpose. Uh, rather, I'd, I'd rather him just yeah, we were trying to catch him and and we've had this and that was the perfect opportunity, fourth and four, and an opportunity to to clinch the game. Yeah, that's why you draw that one up. I mean that would have been that would have been a classier answer, I think. Oh, I agree. But you know, as we said earlier, you know, in these two losses this season, and like you said, you know, here we are having to do a second show like this, and in, in in season that we we haven't had to do now uh, in right. quite a while. But just like the LSU game, man, these two losses, it, it does show you the talent that this team has. Um, and what they've able to overcome that I think other programs couldn't have overcome this year. And and while it's very frustrating, you know, y- you do have to look at this and say, man, this is what it took for Alabama to lose these two games. They they lost these two games where all kind of things went against them, and they still barely lost. Right. It, it, I mean, I mean, g- give me your take on that. You know, pretending you're not an Alabama fan, right? Does that sound like sour grapes? Because I don't mean it that way. I'm just saying that that you know Georgia lost their game against South Carolina. Oklahoma lost you know a game against Kansas State where they got their butt whooped. We've lost two games now by a total of eight points on the season with everything that could have possibly gone wrong, and the margin of of error on those two games was a total of eight points. Yeah, I think you look at those. I, I think that's fair. I think. You know, there it's easy to it's easy to tell the difference, and if if you can't if you can't notice the difference, then it, you know, I don't know what I can't help you. But the difference between you know the Auburn and LSU losses versus the Clemson loss, I mean, the personality, the characteristics. I mean, we can go back and we did you know the Clemson game. There were some things that were unusual, but they kicked our butts. Uh, Auburn and LSU. Just the, just the profile of the game of the loss is very different, and and when you can pick out and and you know we used to laugh about this uh, when Debose would say, you know, over the course of the game, there's five plays that'll change you know the game, and we used to think that was silly, um, yeah. and and of all of all of the things that maybe we didn't like about and turned out you know not to like about you know Mike Debose. Damn if he wasn't right about that. And especially yeah. in these close games, 
Um, and, and you can't handpick. I, I know that you can't, but if you, if you could, you boy, you could quickly handpick just a couple of, I wouldn't need all five and, and, you know, and you could win both of those games. No, absolutely. Um, do you have a mini game ball on defense? You know, my candid answer is no. Uh, but it would, the more I think about it, I'm I'm just going to give a a, a you know tip tip of the cap to uh, Patrick Sertain. I thought he played very well. I thought his coverage was was tight on. Uh, I think he had a penalty that was eh, maybe a little ticky tack, and uh, but you know, but okay. Uh, and then there were a couple plays that. He just had perfect – he was in fantastic position, and the receiver still caught the ball. And I think even Danielson said, if you're Petrus Sertain, this is the best I can do. And and, and he's right. Uh, but they still made just the most improbable of, of catches. And so I know it sounds like I'm tearing the guy down, but I, I want to do the opposite. I want to build him up. Man, I thought he played a really good game. He just was the victim of – of some of the more improbable catches than you're going to, that you're going to see. And so I, I want to give him just a, a cap, you know, cap nod for, for that. All right. So I got three to give. Oh, wow. All right. So first one, got three defensive mini game balls on a defense that gave up 34 points. I want to hear this. All right. So the first one I'm giving it to is Shane Lee. Uh, Shane okay. Lee had, he had huge shoes to fill with the loss of Dylan Moses this season. And um, I think he played his ass off in this game. And and I think he did as well as he could have done under the circumstances as a true freshman in his first Alabama-Auburn game. You know, he finished with seven tackles on the day. I, I don't recall, you know, him missing a tackle, um, you know, missing an assignment. I, I think that had some of the other – okay – I told you I thought the defense did enough to win to start with because of the two pick sixes, which I'm going to take away from, from their score. So, so obviously take those two pick sixes away. They, they gave up the 34 points. But I, I think if everybody had brought his – and okay, my three mini game balls go, to Xavier, go to Xavier McKinney, Shane Lee, and Anthony Jennings. And I think okay. if everybody had brought their level of intensity, this would have, you know, this would have been a blowout win. And so Shane Lee gets my mini game ball just because yeah. of what he's had to do and the shoes he's had to feel as a true freshman. But Xavier McKinney gets my mini game ball because I think he played his ass off. Uh, and it's probably his second to last game of his career and he's going to be a yet another junior in a long list of juniors who we never see uh, on Saturday as a senior. And then my third goes yeah. to Anthony Jennings because um, I think he also played very well. And I'm giving him the game ball for him coming back as a redshirt senior. And, and, and when he could have gone and been a fourth or fifth or sixth round draft pick, and he would have made a 53 roster because I think he will play on Sundays. And so I appreciate him coming back and and providing some leadership to this team this year. No, I think that's a good. I think yeah, look, all of those guys are worthy. I like every, I like all three of them, and I agree they brought a uh, tremendous amount of effort uh, into this game. So I think uh, I think those are those are great picks. 
Um, I guess we can pick over the scraps of special teams because we've probably uh, covered. I, I was going to talk about Waddle's uh, kick Waddle return. Yeah, yeah, go, yeah. Okay. Go ahead and talk about go go ahead and talk about Waddle's kick return, man. We we obviously we obviously have seen what this guy has has done earlier in the season, but but just talk about for the listeners, just break down the sequence of that particular you know that particular punt return or kickoff return. I, yeah, you know there there was a portion of the game and. And obviously, you know, obviously we're kind of wrapped around, uh, you know, one side of, you know, this would have been a magnificent game to watch if you didn't care about any, if you didn't really care, you know, who won, because there was an explosive portion of the game. Uh, and, and Waddle was certainly a part of that where, you know, Auburn had, Auburn had just scored, you know, one of the improbable touchdowns and Waddle essentially said, hold my beer. And and you know return that ninety eight yards no no flags which was certainly good and uh, that was a big touchdown and just and again we've talked about him being electric he looked like he was the best player on the field he looked like he was the fastest player on the field all day long and that kick return was certainly no exception uh, yeah, he got a he got a crease he got an opening and he was gone. Uh, and it was easy to see. It was early. You could tell early in the play. And that would have been a good one to see in the stands because you probably could even have seen it better. Um, but you could tell even on TV early in the play, oh, he's going to break this one. He really has a chance to break this one. And like I said, I'm sure in the stands it was even more evident. Um, yeah, that was that was an explosive play. Another just athletic demonstration you know, from Jalen Waddell there. And what I think was so huge about that play is the timing of it, right? Because Auburn had just scored on a pick six. Yep. And and so from a so from a momentum standpoint, you know, we had just given up a touchdown, you know, on a third and eight from our fourteen, where we throw a pick six and and we allow some momentum to go their way, and for him to step up and and make that play when he did. Obviously, any point in the game would have been awesome, uh, but just because of of the timing of when that play happened, uh, you know, I, I think makes it even a bigger, you know, a bigger statement in, in the in the in the events of of the game, and um, right, and 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 really, you know, if it if it wasn't for you know the 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 ability of Auburn to get that late field goal uh, at the half there. You know, I think going into the half would have been would have been very different from a from a momentum standpoint. Yeah, I agree. I think that definitely carried. Uh, yeah, I, I that would have been the right momentum. Uh, we almost had anti momentum because uh, not only did they get the three, but you know, coach was was pretty well uh, animated and distracted. Uh, you know, from that, and and that probably had some some impact at, at half, and and certainly coming out of half where we went three and out. Uh, we talked about Bellavis a little bit. Uh, talk about uh, Todd Pirine uh, averaging 45 on his three punts. You know, I'm happy for him. Uh, obviously, after you know what occurred in the LSU game, and you know what we've we've talked about this guy's story, uh, getting his opportunity, and so obviously, you know, he's going to look back at this season and be very frustrated about the LSU, you know, the play in the LSU game. Um, but on this big stage, uh, you know, in this game, uh, you can't point his direction for, you know, 
anything that determined the 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 negative outcome of this game. No, I agree. Um, you know the fact that the fact that we only and again Auburn's defensive front uh, is legit. The fact that uh, Alabama only punted three times I thought was impressive, and then uh, t- uh, Ty's consistency. Uh, he averaged uh, forty five, and he had a long of forty seven, and so you know do the math. That's a tight clustering uh, of of punts. And so I, he was consistent across his punts. I almost expected him for nerves to get a hold of him for one of the kicks. And he was out there just ice water, uh, and he was very consistent across all three of those kicks. So I thought that was quite impressive. Um, what, what was your um, – and, and looking back at the stats of, of the situations too, uh, he, he did a – it was a tough situation when he had his 47 yarder, right? We were at our 11 yard line. And, and so we were pinned in there and, and at least, you know, at least he was able to, to get Auburn, you know, back to the 42 yard line. Uh, So a very nice punt, you know, under a very difficult uh, circumstance. Um, Talk about uh, talk, talk, because, because actually of his three punts, you know, two went for 47 yards. So interestingly enough, you know, his long of the day, he had two punts for 47 yards. Talk about the punt earlier in the game where we were backed up at our 22 and and Auburn was able to return the ball 37 yards after a very nice punt and, you know, get it, you know, flip the field to our 32-yard line and was able to score a touchdown in the first half after, you know, that punt return. Anything that jumped out at you on that on that breakdown because that was probably one of the, you know, besides the missed field goal, that was the other special teams break, uh, breakdown during this ball game. Well, it's uncharacteristic, right? I think the the Alabama punt coverage uh, and kick coverage has has been really stout uh, All this year. season, right? Oh so, yeah, and so it was uncharacteristic, uh, you know, for them to get uh, to for them to get that return. And then uh, we never root for injury, even Auburn players. And uh, and so when we took down the the returner, he looked like he had been you know injured pretty significantly. Uh, and then he was back in the game, you know, not long not long after that. And that wasn't one of these kind of fluky fake injuries where I'm trying to. It was that at that point in the game, you know, he wasn't trying to burn clock or or rest the defense or or you know sort of slow down momentum. That was a legit. He was dinged up and uh, and he was hurt. Uh, and then you know, fortunately, it was something that he was able to sort of rebound from and and get back into the game. So that was that was good to see. But I think the big thing that that stood out to me on that was just how uncharacteristic uh, that long return was because we've not seen that all year. All right. Anything else on special teams here? No, no, I don't think uh, I, I I don't. Uh, what what do you got? No, I don't have anything. I just want to make sure because obviously we touched on some of this earlier in the show. Um, so you know, uncharacteristic of this team, uh, you know, there's there's a there's a significant break coming up ahead here, um, which this team hasn't had to deal with, right? This um, they're going to have a um, they're going to have another, um, I guess you would say, you know, another. Uh, they're going to have a, a long period of time with which they can get some get some young players some reps and 
and and kind of see what they have for for turning the page for the you know for the season ahead because there's going to be a long time before the bowl game. Well, it will. You you figure they're going to be in a in a New Year's Six game, and so you know how many times over the last uh, several years has uh, you know has Alabama played two games before they'll ne- they'll play their next game, and so you think about you know next week's SEC championship game, and in the first round, the opening round of the playoffs. Uh, is typically just before New Year's. Sometimes it's New Year's Eve. Uh, and so, uh, you know, had things unfolded just a little bit differently, uh, we might we might potentially have two games uh, before we'll have our next game. And, um, yeah, so that'll be a little longer and a, and a little different layoff. Um, and, and, and so... In, in, in a non in a, in a not fun kind of way I you know I used to you know even back before the playoffs um, and I think back especially you know maybe the Notre Dame championship but there were others in there too where where this was the this was the best month of this of the year almost not only holiday and all that stuff but you know your team's about to play for a national title and there's no you know play, it's done it's a done deal right? And that has almost been sort of a magical thing. And uh, we don't get that this year. So um, so something to go back to the drawing board and, and figure out for next season. No, absolutely. Let me, let me ask you this, because obviously, you know, Alabama has still, you know, has still won two national championships in, in the past four years, you know, and after this one will be done, it'll be, you know, two out of the past five kind of deal. And, and and Saban, you know, Saban has been has mentioned, you know, that, you know, this team while he's been there, right, you know, he has been he has been known to mention that they could have had as many as eight, you know, during the time yeah. that he's been there. Um, which is just scary to to think about. My my question to you is because of the guys who were injured. And because of the guys that will have time to be healthy come bowl game time, um, you know, most of these guys who are banged up will, will – the guys who are just banged up will be healthy and the guys who haven't been able to contribute for a few weeks will be able to go. I, I think – I would hate to be the team that Alabama faces in the bowl game. I, 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 I think back to that Michigan State game where they just laid it on them. And um, I, I think this team's going to take out some frustrations on whoever they play on New Year's Day. I am torn on that because um, I because I don't disagree with you know that memory and 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 you're right that sure. team that that Michigan that Michigan State team you know paid paid for that. But I remember a couple games against Arkansas and a game against Utah where. The team was just flat because it wasn't where they wanted to be. It wasn't what they wanted to play in. Um, right. And so, I, for me, it, it feels more like a coin toss on what the personality of this team is going to be in this sort of one-game season okay. that, that, that will be the bowl game. Interesting. Okay. Well, that'll be something good for us to talk about on the next show. But just wanted to get your thoughts since we don't have a team to, to talk about, you know, yeah. going forward right this second. No, I think uh, I, I think you're right. Like you know, normally we tease the next game and 
and what we're going to talk about. I, I think, you know, here we're, we've got different things to tease, but, you know, certainly the personality of the team leading up to the bowl game, uh, maybe a pre, uh, uh, a pregame for the, or pre-show for the bowl game. Uh, I think, you know, we got some fan appreciation shows that, that we want to do. Uh, and then I think there's just a myriad of topics that, that we could, you know, deep dive, you know, quarterback coaching, you know, sort of what's next for the program, um, you know, players leaving, what what the profile personality of, of next year's team could look like. So I, I think there's a lot of fun topics that, that we can get out and uh, spend time with. And so you and I need to, need to you know, figure out schedules and calendars and, and record some of this right. stuff because I think there's a lot of football that still needs to be talked. No, absolutely. And, you know, I just did the math real quick on the past five seasons. So I, I just want to end this show by just mentioning that as frustrating as this is, you know, to be sitting here with the second loss of the season, you know, I, I, I think back to the days pre-Saban and the decade that that was like. And so yep. I just went back over the past five seasons as of right now. And in the past five seasons, this team is, you know, this team is, let's see, three – yeah, this team is 65 and 5 in the past 5 years. 65 yeah. and 5 going back, you know, 2015, 16, 17, 18 and now. And so, um I'm sorry, they are 65 and 6. I apologize. 65 and and let's see 3. Yeah, 65 and 6. And so, you know, for as frustrating as this is, you know, we just have to realize that, you know, you just can't win them all. And, right. um, you know, 65 and six is pretty damn good. <laughs> Those six losses hey, have come. No, what I guess what I'm saying is, is, is it's taken the kitchen sink to get those freaking, you know, minus the Clemson game last year. It's taken, you know, it, it's taken freaking, you know, a Herculean situation for, you know, five of those six losses out of the past 71 ball games. That just speaks to how dominant, you know, Alabama has been with Saban. So that's all I was right. trying to get out there. No, that's fair. And and you could go back to almost every one of them and 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 reasonably demonstrate how they were winnable, even even you know, even as they even as we lost them. Right. Absolutely. Anything else for the listeners? No, I think uh I I think you know, this is one of those games and and they're gonna happen and and I think it's fair to sort of recall, man, in the context of, you know, the stretch that we're on and, and still on, um, you know, this is certainly something that that we can we can absorb. I think we had a run where we lost to them five or six years in a row. Uh, and so it's sort of it is what it is. And um, I think, you know, I, I think it's an interesting topic. What what is this in terms of an inflection point forward? And I think that's a whole nother show. But. Uh, but I do think we need to come back and have that conversation. Um, but um, yeah, I think that's what we look forward to. And then it, and it, it's, it, it'll be a mystery um, to see what the personality of this team is in, in the bowl game. And um, I, I'm kind of in, in a different way, but I'm kind of excited to, to see because I think more so this year than what we've seen in prior years, this bowl game, will tell us more about what what next year's team is going to look like than I think prior bowl seasons have. No, that's fair. And, and I will say to your point there that, you know, there's all this talk now, 
you know, in this current age of football with all these juniors who are going pro and, you know, I'm not going to play in this game and I don't want to take a chance of getting an injury and all that. And, you know, I hope I don't get proven wrong and I, I don't think I will. Um, I look forward to seeing all these juniors who are going to be playing on Sunday, uh, strapping it up and playing in this game and, and, and playing their ass off. I, I just, yeah. I, I like the character of these juniors. I, I don't see a Judy or a Ruggs or a Smith, uh, you know, I, I don't see these guys checking out of this game and saying, hey, we're not we're, we're sitting this one out. So for, for Bama fans, I, I don't think that's something you're going to have to endure like other teams have to deal with that garbage. Yeah, I certainly hope not. And um, and and I think you're right. I do think you're right. Um, again, that'll be that'll be a little bit of, you know, what we have to look for. Uh, I do like the character of this team different than maybe some of the others. And so um, I do uh, I do hope that uh you know what you said whoever we play in the in the ball game is going to get a is going to get a, a mouthful of it i um i hope uh i hope that that's right all right man well take us out well this has been another edition of the alabama football podcast roll tide thanks for listening to the alabama football podcast we love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show we encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like where we can improve or just a shout-out, a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Aye. Of course. Roll Tide.